Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H-Brighton.org. Like she said, my name is Brandon Eitzen. I'm sorry if I haven't got a chance to introduce myself to you yet. If you're a guest with us, we're especially glad you're joining us. Um, why don't we keep a copy of God's Word open to Genesis 32? Um, I'm extremely nervous to be preaching this text before you this morning. Uh, as we, I prepared it, it took me a long time to finish a first draft of this. And in doing so, I knew I'd left a ton out. And still at that point, I still had about two or three sermons worth of content. Even after knowing there's things I wanted to say I couldn't. So, so I've started hacking and down-selecting. And thank you. Uh, and I'm still not sure what all we're going to get to today and not. So we'll see what happens here. Um, but there's a, there's a clinical psychologist who he does not in any traditional sense believe that these words are inspired by a transcendent creator. I don't even think he believed that they happened historically. And yet this guy has these lectures where he spends about two and a half hours talking about flood, Cain and Abel, Jacob wrestling with this man. And he weaves in and out for sure, but he spends two and a half hours because he is so impacted about these, these <clears throat> stories, these accounts, which they, they're more than just recording something that happened. They're archetypal in nature about human experience where no, he, he thinks no one man could have written these things. They're written by humanity itself. They're capturing something very complex about human experiences that if you tried to write it out really precisely, didactically, you just wouldn't quite capture it. And you need these pictures, these narratives, these images to capture it. It's maybe it's less precise, but it can be more accurate and capture a lot in a way. Now, I certainly believe that the scriptures are more than that, but they are not less. And so I'm going to do my best today to try to pull out some of these images and, and you know, take the the windy curves and straighten it out a little bit for us and we'll see what we, we captured. But pray for me that we'd hit the, the best spots. And we're really, honestly, we're gonna focus in about seven verses on this, these, these two chapters. I'm supposed to be going through chapter 33, which we'll, we'll comment on here. So if you stick with me today, friends, my commitment to you is that you'll leave here with two key insights, maybe the two reasons why you often, if not right now, feel so distant from God. To put it positively, right, two key means that God has given us and he tends for you so that you can know him. Okay, that's what you'll leave with. But before we get to those two, there's two other things we've got to hit. So there's really four questions we're going to hit. Two setup questions and then these two questions that the answers to which will give you these insights on how to know him. Firstly, where are we in Jacob's story? Very specifically, is this the turning point in his life? Is this chapter the turning point in Jacob's life? Secondly, who is this man that wrestles God? Third, what is the significance of the wrestling? And fourthly, we're going to look at why does he ask Jacob what his name is? Okay, I'm going to try to do the first two quickly. All right, where are we in Jacob's story? Is this the turning point? Jacob's name means deceiver. And we have seen that throughout his entire life so far. And in a lot of ways, we're going to continue to see it. And yet we've also seen these amazing moments where he's showing signs of faith in his interaction with Laban. 
the start of this chapter, this is quite a powerful prayer, much improved over the moment where he tells God when he appears to him in the staircase and the ladder. And he, he has this prayer, but he's like, well, if God will take care of me, then I'll trust him and obey him, right? It's kind of weak, not very healthy, but this one is far more humble. He's praying things about his unworthiness and he's, he's appealing to the things God has said. That's, those are good things in a prayer that we ought to do. That's good. But then, but he keeps on scheming and it seems like he's planning to send his family before to Esau. I assume you know by this point, Esau wants to kill him and maybe rightly so, but not justifiable. Jacob is right to be scared, but he seems to be planning all these schemes of how maybe he can avoid this. And even, I don't, yeah, I don't know his intentions. He's going to send his family even before him to go meet Esau. And then there's this incredible interaction, wrestling this man and renaming. Renaming is always super significant in the Bible, especially in Genesis, right? And then we don't read it uh, in chapter 33 here. He has this change of heart and he goes before his family to go meet with Esau. And he actually bows himself down before Esau, which is direct contradiction to the blessing he got from Esau. He stole, sorry, from Isaac. He stole Esau's blessing, right, from Isaac. And part of that blessing was your brothers will bow down to you. Instead, we see here Jacob bowing down to Esau. So it's like, wow, this may, maybe this is it. But then later in chapter 33, he, he lies to Esau about meeting up with him and he goes somewhere else entirely. And that con- pattern will continue. I won't spoil it for you as we see how he responds to what happens to his daughter here in a chapter and how uh, there's an amazing moment when he's blessing Joseph's sons. Uh, so these are, these are great pastors. Maybe you'll let me preach that one too. We'll see. <clears throat> so is this the turning point for Jacob? Probably not. Is it a turning point? Absolutely. And one, why I highlight this here is because, friends, we often can think that in, in following God that we, we can have this like before I know God, before I know Jesus, and then after. It's a very simplistic story. And where am I? When is someone saved? We like to ask that question in evangelical stories. And it's a fair question, but it can also be an oversimplified one. Okay, guys, we need to see that I'm gonna call you this morning to very hard things. I think God is calling us to. And it's not meant to, one, it is to wake up and say, oh yeah, I had something happen to me in my past. I don't need to worry about it anymore. I had an amazing moment. I saw Jacob, uh, Jacob had in a moment and I uh, saw God, these angels ascending, descending, heaven. Oh, I wrestled with him. And I don't need to worry past that moment. I had this amazing experience with God in the past. Nothing else to do now. That's one error. But I also don't want the other error, which is like, I had these amazing moments with God. And I thought I knew God, but now I'm struggling. Now I'm backsliding. Maybe this isn't real. Maybe I never knew God. Maybe that, that experience in the past wasn't real at all. And I made it up. But we see time and time again, there's actually very few examples in the scriptures of a nice, tidy before God, meet God, after God. Maybe Paul would be a good example in the scriptures, but not the rest of the apostles. When were they saved, right? Like it's very muddy, it's not clear. And that's the case for our lives too. So question one here and the answer here of going, I don't know if this is a turning about, probably not. There's not one turning point, right? It's just the Christian life is one of volatility, We don't want to settle for the volatility of Jacob, for sure. We want to strive for something better than that. We also don't need to be shocked when everything's not a mountaintop experience in our lives. Okay. Question one, where are we in Jacob's story? We're in the middle of it. That's where we are. Okay. That's the answer. We're in the middle of ours. Secondly, who's the man? 
It's confusing. Look at the text. Let's uh, look at uh, verse 22 here. Let's read this again. Let's see what the facts it gives us here. It says, that same night, Jacob arose, took his wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. By the way, there's a word play there. That sounds, Jacob wrestles in Jabbok are all very similar words in the Hebrew. That's cute, little tidbit there. He took them and he sent them across the stream and everything else he had. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with them. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I'll not let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. He calls him man right at the start. A man came and wrestled with Jacob. It refers to him as man throughout the passage. Then it says, you've wrestled with God. And if you look in your little footnote in your Bible, it always has little insights there. It tells you that that word Israel, his renaming to Israel, it can either mean um, wrestles with God or, or the one with whom God wrestles. Okay. And then Jacob says, I've seen God face to face. And then you even add to this in Hosea 12 also refers to this passage. And it says that he strove with the angel and prevail. So man, God, angel, who did Jacob wrestle with? Well, as Christians, uh, we are comfortable with an uncomfortable answer to this question, right? 2,000 years ago, God took on humanity and revealed himself to us as such. Jesus lived life as both God and man. He died, rose again as God and man, and he ascended to heaven where he is there now as God and man and will be throughout eternity. Now, what's with these pre-virgin births, uh, manifestations of man? They're often the, the Old Testament, you'll see this angel of the Lord kind of phrase. Uh, this happened with Abraham already, something similar. You know, I'm not really sure. Um, I can talk to you about some things I've thought and read another time. But the real question here, question two, I said, who's this man? The real question is, well, it's, it's this God man. It is God revealed as man to Jacob. The real question is, how could Jacob win? <laughs> right, if he's God. Okay, now we definitely, definitely he's still God. You get this little hint of it, right? He touches his hip and that's all it takes, light touch. And it's out of socket. So there's definitely this hint of, don't forget with whom you are wrestling. But yet, he lets him win. And guys, understanding that really just comes down to understanding what I already said. Jesus is God and man. And we struggle so bad to believe that. We always like to think of balance. You hear that all the time. Well, you need a balance. It's 50-50. That's not what it is. He is 100%, 100%. Okay, and he manifests himself as a man truly humbly. Remember, oh man, so many Bible verses on this, right? Um, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross. Okay, 50% God, I won't say that, doesn't matter. He died. God doesn't die. He slept. God doesn't sleep. 
He eats. God doesn't need to eat. A human does. Okay? And God condescends in this way to us. This is an amazing sight of how God must relate to us. This is so unique. The, the thing that my children and I love to do more than anything else is wrestle together. All right? We get our queen. My, it's always my queen bed in our room and we wrestle. And these guys know like I'm not up there just, you know, just dominating them the entire time. Okay. We don't, that wouldn't be very fun. That wouldn't be very good for a relationship. Actually, that same clinical psychologist I referred in the future, uh, in the, uh, earlier, he said that there's a study been done of rats and big rats wrestling small rats. And if they found that if the big rat doesn't let the small rat win, at least like one out of five times, the small rat will stop playing with it. It's an unbelievable uh, discovery if that's true, right? The big rat wants a friend. I just made God a big rat. This is why you want a transcript at a time. <laughs> Guys, the, the Western world takes for granted all the ideas of the Bible. If there's God, we're not sure that there is, but if there is one, he certainly is loving and he certainly cares about us and wants to know us. Has nobody believed that? That is not, obviously, if you're an atheist, there is no one to do that knowing and relating. If you're a pantheist, there's not only no one to know you, you there's no one to be known. And if you're a general theist, my Muslim friends have told me this idea of God becoming a man is blasphemous. God went to the bathroom. God would lose a wrestling match. It's a very unique idea. God wants us to know him and he's even willing to let us win in a sense. Okay. Now that's the, so the question two, who's this man? It's God. How could we win? How could a human win? It's because God wants to relate to us. He condescends because he is humble. And he's accomplishing, thing, accomplishing things in his humility and in letting us win, okay? We need to know those two to really be able to grapple with the ones I'm really interested in here. The third and the fourth question. Thirdly, what, what's up with the wrestling? What is its significance? Now, A lot of Christians today are, are pretty good at emphasizing this idea of a relationship with God, right? I'm not calling you to religion. I'm calling you to relationship. I applaud that. Absolutely. That's a good phrase. Okay. And if we only say that over and over again, there's a lot that can be missed because we have a tendency to just think life should be easy in general, that we should not encounter hardships. Things shouldn't take tons and tons of effort. And we especially believe that in relationships, Right? Oh, I just get, I get married and then it's, it's easy after that. I don't have to keep pursuing my spouse. There's not still work to be done there. Right? My kids know I'm going to take it easy on them when we wrestle. Okay? That doesn't mean now that they just sit back passively and let it happen. Okay? In that bed, it's like I'm wrestling a bobcat and a hyena. Right? They are aggressive and it is vicious. Okay? Friends, we have, we have a picture of that right here in Genesis 32, of how God expects us to relate to him, okay? 
He wants us to wrestle with him. Gosh, this, this picture has multiple things in mind. I'm only gonna emphasize one, but just to mention Pat, quickly, it pictures, this is before we trust him, before we repent and are born again. This is what we're doing in life. Jacob, you think you're wrestling with Esau? You think you're wrestling Laban? You're wrestling against God. So it has a negative connotation to it. It's being pictured here in this moment of wrestling. There's a picture in how when not just our sin, but being sinned against, we're wrestling with God. God, why are you letting this happen? Esau's going to kill me. You told me, you told me to go back to this land. You told me I was going to have offspring, right? God, how long, the Psalms pray, that kind of wrestling in the, the challenges of the fallen world, sin outside, that's a wrestling with God. But it's also, and the one that I want to just hit most is this wrestling, striving to know him. Jacob, you just, you scheme and you work and you plan. Look at all this planning he's doing. And God's saying, put that effort into knowing me. Put that effort into knowing me. It's intense. It's tough. It's competitive, militaristic type language all through the Bible. I quickly found about 15 passages and uh, Aaron said, you got to, you can do read all those. I said, okay, that's, that's fair time. Here's a few. I just went New Testament, three different authors. Okay. Matthew seven, guys, enter by the narrow gate. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to death. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, vastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Hebrews 12, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Strive for the holiness without which we will not see the Lord. There's so many more guys picking up your cross, famous verses, okay? They treated the master of the house that way. How do you think they'll treat those of this household? Those weren't in the list, so it doesn't count that I said those two. Okay. Guys, you want to know God? You want to know him? Then wrestle, strive, seek, pursue. Okay, now I don't want to lay up just pressure only. All this is intertwined with grace. All of it. We could have a long list there. I'll just read one because I cut off Hebrews 12 early. Okay, so just one example. I, I'm... because. I, you know, we fall off one side of the horse and, you, and, and pulling somebody up, you can, you can pull them off to the other side too. I don't, I don't want to do that, okay? So just qualification here. Hebrews 12.1 goes on. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us. I stopped there. How? Why? Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame and his seat at the right hand of God, throne of God. So friends, I can't, we're not unpacking the full chain of salvation and big doctrinal ideas of 
Election is unconditional. Glorification is conditional. If you're interested in those ideas, those terms don't matter. If you're interested in ideas, like look, we'll talk more. We have, that's why we do this every Sunday, right? And that's why we have community groups to keep talking about the Bible and all these ideas. But today the idea is strive. Don't be passive. Don't coast. Guys, the, the greatest sin in the world are, are sins of omission, right? You have sins of commission, the things that you ought not do that, but we do them. Those are the ones we think most of when we hear sin. But guys, the, probably the most pervasive, the worst, are omission. That which we ought to do, but fail to. Guys, think of like what we could have become by now if we had just used our time well up to this moment in your life, right? Again, I'm not trying to wait a bunch of guilt. I'm just trying to see the opportunity. There's a famous quote. I heard it from Warren Buffett. I don't know if he came up with it. He said, um, most people highly overestimate what they can accomplish in one year of their life. They highly overestimate that and they highly, highly underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 do we have those kind of goals with your character, with your soul for the kingdom work of what you could accomplish in 10 years in a lifetime with God's help? So friends, this is, uh, this is for you non-Christians. People here are like, you're not sure about God at all, especially not Christianity. Or maybe you identify that in a loose way. You're like, but I don't know about all this. You take it really seriously, this book. Am I sure? Friends, this is for you. Okay. In Acts 17, Paul's preaching to a group of people who do not know the Bible. And he says to them, from one man, God made all the peoples of the earth and he allotted the periods and the places of their dwelling so that they may seek him and be found by him. For he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being. He put us where we are that we may seek. And that lack of seeking, that's that sin of omission. People say they're agnostic. I have so many friends that say they're agnostics. I go, well, when was the last time you like went to a Buddhist temple? When was the last time you went to church? When was the last time you read? If you're agnostic, you would be open. That these, I need to be hedging my bets. I need to be pursuing and be interested. Instead, we just sit back and next, next series, let autoplay just run on Netflix, right? You don't have to seek, friends. Take the, have you really given it the time? Could there be a God? Could he have revealed himself in Jesus and this book? Okay. Christians, this is for you. I've only been a Christian about 20 years, not even quite. And I've seen so many dear friends fall away. Some of them, I accounted the, my best partners in the ministry. And there's many common themes, many common and one of them is for some reason, we always end up in different cities and you know, life, business, of life, you lose touch, but then you, you have a chance to hang out again after a few years and you find out, no, they've left the faith. They've given up this idea of God. And uh, I wish I could talk a long time about this, but just one, one of the many questions I've learned just to ask, trying to listen, trying to understand what happened. One of the questions is saying, hey, when, just when was the last time you, you spent 10 minutes on your knees in prayer? I've never had any of them tell me any time during the last three years. It's just a small data point. Guys, but I'm asking you, when do you pursue God that way? Time alone with him. This was, guys, par for the course was Christians who 
who spent all night up. They called them watches and they would spend all night in prayer, seeking God, wanting to know God. And what do I stay up all night for? Trying to make a business work, preparing a sermon, hoping, hoping y'all like it, right? Is it to know him? I'll do it for lots of other things. We'll do it for parties. We'll do it for video games. I can stay up all night playing video games. Pray, take hold of God. Boring, boring. That's more the last part. Two simple tips on this one. Third, right? We're, on, we're still on three. Question three, two simple. These are so specific, right? I don't want to be over prescriptive, but it's easy, right? Do you have a quiet time? I want you to rethink that. Not having one. I want you to have one. Don't rethink having one. I want you to rethink what you're doing there. Okay? Quiet time is good in the sense of it doesn't mean doing what Jacob did. What did Jacob do? Family went. Possessions were gone and he was left alone. Good. Good. But quiet time in this terms of I'm going to be passive and I'm like not intense, not eager not taking initiative. Friends, every morning, your prayer, take hold of him. Say, God, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. Say, I'm picking up this book. I don't, I don't boy, why do I, I'm supposed to read the Bible, but I don't feel it. God, tell him that. That's more of point four, by the way, but tell him that. Say, God, I just, move me, encourage me, give me some joy, scare me, help me feel any kind of response from this. How are you gonna make it? How are you going to do anything else? Why would you do it anyways? What are you doing instead? Guys, this is food for your soul. Are you not starving? Get there and say, God, I'm not going to let you go. Bless me. Bless me. It's one. So that's, that's, your, that's what you're doing in the mornings or whenever. By the way, only one out of 50 people I know are successful at doing this regularly and it's not in the morning. So everyone says they have their own time. Fair enough. You do. Pick whenever. It doesn't matter. But in the West, life gets busy. Seek him early. One, second, you need to take personal retreat. Go book a hotel room for one. Call ahead and ask them to remove the TV from the room or the cable box. There's lots of things they can do. I've done this several, several times. Uh, Traveling, whether it's alone or like just for work, take the TV out of my room. And there's more than one reason. But in this case, the reason is get the distractions out of there and go be alone for him for a night and a day and however long it takes. Is this once a quarter, once a year, once every other year? I can't tell you that. I can tell you, we have the model for it all through scripture. Jesus himself, we have the model for it in Christians through the ages. Go get alone. I don't have the time. Yes, you do. You do, because we go to bachelor and bachelorette parties, we go snow skiing, we visit family for holidays, we go to wedding. We have, you can make it. It's hard to do. It's not easy, but you can do it. We make time for it. And people say, oh my gosh, that's to be boring. And people who have followed through with this and that I know in my life, every time at the end of it, they go, I ran out of time. Takes that, you got some inertia, you got to build up in that momentum. But when you are alone and you get it out of your way, there is nothing sweeter than intimacy of wrestling with God. You won't regret it. Last one. 
I don't know where we're at time-wise. I stopped it, started it late. It's all right. Last one, okay? So what's with the significance of the wrestling? That's what God is asking you to do in your relationship with him. Eagerness, lack of eagerness. Don't be surprised that your soul has stagnated if you have stagnated in what you're doing. That's point three. Question four, what is God's, what is with God's question to Jacob? I won't let you go until you bless me. And the man said to Jacob, this is verse 26, the man said to Jacob, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? Why does he ask him that? He said, is this the God man? But God and man. So at least on some level, in one sense, in a God sense, he knows who this is. He's not looking for information or facts. Why is he asking this? You have to remember Genesis 27. Okay. Remember Genesis 27. Isaac has a plan to bless Esau, Jacob's twin. Then Rebecca overhears it. She prefers Jacob. Isaac prefers Esau. They get a plan. While he's gone, I'm going to dress you up as Esau because Isaac's blind. And we're going to uh, have you steal the blessing or pretend like you're Esau. And it more or less works. He comes in and uh, the first question, who are you, my son? Who are you, my son? The voice is a voice of Jacob, but you know, the food, you feel like Esau, you smell like Esau. Who are you, my son? I'm Esau, says Jacob. He's still skeptical, a little more investigation, but they did a good job. Rebecca and Jacob dressed him up real good. Are you really my son Esau? I am. Jacob saw something that he wanted and in some ways legitimately desired it, right? The affection of a father, the blessing of a father, right? He saw something he wanted, he wasn't gonna have it and he took matters into his own hands and I will do what I need to do to get it. Oh, that's what it takes to be the blessing? I need to look like that? Okay, I'll fake it. I will act like that. And I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna steal it. And now fast forward, fast forward. And he's finally wrestling with the one and seeking the blessing from the one he needs to be seeking the blessing from. And God commends him for the eagerness, right? That, that is commended for the wrestling. That's step one. You want to know God? Step one, be eager, strive. But there's something else that's needed too. There's something else that's needed too. It's not enough. Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And God says, who are you? What is your name? I'm Jacob. I'm the cheat. I'm the liar. And God says, yes, you are. But no longer will you be called Jacob, the one who cheats and deceives. You will now be called Israel, the one who strives with God. No longer will you... Take that. Now that you've been honest with me about your identity, I'm going to give you a new one. Okay? You want to know God? You have to be honest with him. You have to be honest with him. Is that not what we're doing? 
Guys, is that not what we are doing all the time? It doesn't sound better than, than having our script ready for all the parties when people ask you, so what do you do? And I've got to say it as best I can to make myself look good. And thank goodness for that super airbrush that is the internet and social media where I can try to just make myself as acceptable and as, as pleasing as possible to all you to get you to like me. It's a lot of work. Here's some quotes from this podcast. We sent it out on our Slack channel, I don't know, a year or two ago. Maybe it was me who sent it. I don't remember. Um, here are these quotes from, from these girls who are pretty successful on Instagram. I'll give you one here. I was just realizing that the things I was doing with my day weren't things that I wanted to do. They were things that I thought would look cool when I posted. And so there were multiple times where I was like, okay, this is the hike I'm going to do because it has a great view. Not because I want to go enjoy the grander because I want it to look really cool on my Instagram and I want to look really outdoorsy and awesome and like I'm healthy. I was deciding where I wanted to eat based off what food would look good or I wanted to go to the beach, not because I wanted to enjoy the beach, but because I wanted to post about it. People go on about the brands. All right, are you the cool traveler? Are you the crunchy granola person who's healthy? Are you the smart hipster cool person with grad school and has the right opinions? You have your right brand that you've put out there for people. Well, can, can they just find me interesting? Do they think I'm funny? Do they think I'm cool? Do they like me? Will they give me a blessing? Guys, but it's not real, is it? When Jacob stole that blessing from Isaac, that blessing was for Esau. How meaningful is that to you really? I wasn't interested in you. Right? I was really interested in your brother. Oh man, this connections to Rachel and Leah. Oh my goodness, right? Not interested. It's not a real blessing at all. It can only be a blessing if they know you. That love, love, what if someone loved you? They don't know anything about you. Then they don't love you. God is calling us to just tell him what he already knows. Guys, that's our good news. We don't have, to, one, it's him instead of, humans from whom we get that acceptance and blessing. And two, humans do require that kind of stuff often. We ought not as Christians, that's a different sermon, right? But we, we, they do expect you to be a certain way and think a certain thing, look a certain way. It's terrible. It's a miserable burden. And God is saying, I've already done it all. I'll bless you already because of Jesus. I accept you. I like you in Jesus. You don't have to cover up. No more excuses if you want to know God, friends, seek hard after him and be honest with him. That is what's holding most of us back. I'm coming for a landing here. And who is this God that we get to know? Friends, Genesis 32, most fundamentally, is not about us. The archetypes are there. We are there and how we should relate to God, how we do relate to God already, they're there. But ultimately, the key is it's about Jesus. No one wrestled with God like Jesus. In the wilderness, seeking him out, getting alone. In the garden, sweating blood. And ultimately, on the cross, receiving the blow from God, to which a dislocated hip is a sneeze. Crucified. He is the greater Jacob who wrestles with God. And 
Right, we already have God-man here, right? So like the type isn't too difficult. We have this God-man who wrestles with a person, wants to relate to them. But yet, where has, any, where has God more than anywhere let humans win? Jesus could have called upon a legion of angels and been rescued. And yet he says, no, I will humble myself and I will let them win because I want to win them. Through his loss, he secures victory for us. Jesus is truly the God-man who lets man win on Calvary. This is the God whom you are called to work hard after, not a tyrant. He's not saying there, say like, work harder, come on, find me. Don't you love me? Love me. Come on, you need to do that. Yes, kind of, right? I'm saying work hard, strive hard, but for that kind of God who's already striven for you in your place, for you, after you, we come to know God and we find out that really it's he that came to know us. That's Galatians or something like that. Concluding, but this is the last passage. I'll read it, I'll be done. This, I think, summarizes all four questions and all four answers. Philippians chapter three. Paul says, whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or striving hard, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, not by any means that might by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. 